Hello, and welcome back to the Everyday Trainer Podcast. My name is Meg, and I am a dog trainer. On today's episode, I'm joined by the one and only Oscar Mora of Elevated Canine Academy. We are out here in the LA area, still in California. We're going to talk all about his new facility, working dog stuff, and so much more. So you know the drill. Grab yourself a tasty drink and meet us back here. Oscar. How's it going? Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me and hanging out in your your new facility. Thanks for coming out. How was Uh, that drive? Honestly, not bad. I like driving. I'm a bit of a crazy person when it comes to that. You're going to continue driving for a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back up north and hit all the like Oregon and Wyoming and those sorts of states. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We did that with my uh, with my family not long ago. We went to Utah and in the van with the kids and it was pretty fun. How many kids do you have? Two kids. Nice. How yeah. old are they? Uh, my son Noah just turned eight and my daughter's going to turn 11. Allison. You're like a real adult. Like a dad, a full blown dad, husband, dad, yep, everything. And you run a business. Yeah. How is that? How's how's balancing all of that? I mean, you know, it's it's good. I I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for anything. Uh, I feel like uh, I could never go back to my nine to five. Okay. What did you do before this? I was a machinist. I was working for an aerospace company. You know, doing uh, like the fighter jets, the skins of the fighter jets. What? Yeah, so that's what we're doing before. That's what we're doing. That's what I was doing before, and then I did that for what ten years until I left it, so I could do elevated full time. Okay, and what kind of like prompted you to make that transition into dog training? Like, what got you started? Um, I mean, I I think it all started from maybe from when I was a kid, and like my dad was always working, and he didn't really get to experience much with with me, like go to my games or anything like that, and I think that was always in the back of my head of like, oh man, I wish I could do something where I could be a little more present, you know? Yeah. And so when I was working that job, I mean, literally I couldn't, I mean, I was making decent money, but not enough to live in LA and be able to experience a whole bunch of stuff with my kids. So, you know, luckily I found this passion for dog training and it took off. Thank God uh, I was able to leave that job and now I could just take my kids to school, pick them up whenever, whenever I can. What was your like entry into the dog world? So I, I got into, I mean, I was going to get a, a Connie Corso and it was a big, scary looking dog. And I was like, oh, shoot, I think I'm going to need some training on yeah. this thing. So I started like watching Cesar Milan and, and all that. And that was like the beginning of it. Okay. And, and then I got my uh, my Corso. And yeah, I just I honestly, I, I was driving by and I saw the field where these people were doing dog training and I dropped in and the rest is history. I mean, it took off from there. What like sport did you do at first? Uh, Schutzen. Yeah. So I, I started with this old German guy. His name's Peter Burmeister, which he has now, you know, he passed away a couple of years ago and uh, I have his field now in Carson. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's the one that got me started. And Schutzen is kind of like, I don't know. I feel a little bit old school. What was your experience with that? Because I talked to some people and they're like, I hated it at first because it was just very like, I don't know, regimented and it's, it's definitely regimented. It's definitely a sport that requires a lot of, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they really look at the small details of, you know, there's, there's certain sports where your dog could be a little more loose and you could still get full points. And in shuts and not only do they look at like how precise the position is, but the attitude of the dog, like if there's, if 
the dog's ears tucked back a little bit. They're like, oh, there's some pressure there. So you're going to get minus points. And so it's definitely one of those sports. But personally, I feel like it made me a better trainer. Wait, so you did this with your Connie Corso? Uh, no. So I, I know with my Malinois. Okay. Yeah. But with my Connie Corso, I started there, but then I moved from Carson where that field was at to where I'm at now, which was about an hour drive, but in LA, like an hour could turn into like two hours. Yeah. So, uh, so I got into ring sport. Okay. Uh, so the first, my first Corso that I titled was in Mondio ring. I don't know that much about Mondio ring. <clears throat> I could, exp- I could try to explain. Yes, please. Yeah. So Mondio ring is a, uh, is a sport that is recognized by FCI. There's like a world championship and that one, unlike uh in IGP where they separate obedience, protection and tracking there, it's all together. So you'll do your obedience and from your obedience, you'll go right into your protection and it's with a full suit. Uh, that when, okay. when we do bite work, it's all full suit, not with the sleeve. Right. And um, Shichin, 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 Shichin. Yeah. <laughs> it's just sleeve. Yeah, correct. correct. That's, That's right. So it's, it's like a dance. Like, uh, so Shutson is, is very much like a dance, unlike uh, ring sports and stuff. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm learning all the dog sport things. So you got into it just as kind of like a hobby at first. And what was that transition like when you were like, I want to do this? Did you learn from anybody? What kind of got you in pet dog training? So, I mean, dealing with sport dogs where, where there's rules you have to go by and, you know, uh, high drive dogs most of the time. I felt like the pet dog stuff was pretty easy, easy. But then because there's also issues you run into with sport dogs that you have to deal with, like, you know, yeah. overexcitement and all that stuff, which is this pretty similar stuff to what we deal with in the pet dogs. And uh, so, I mean, I, I just personally just like working with dogs and working with people. And that's really where, where it all started for me. And, you know, once I saw that I could make a living doing this, like, did you have like a first client, somebody who was like, please help me train my dog. And then that's kind of, yeah, I mean, it's usually like people in the, within the club and all that will have friends and they'll let them know about you. And I started doing it for free and just, you know, trying to, after work, I'll go and, you know, train a couple of dogs. And that's how I got my experience. And then I went to, there was, there was a guy in Vegas who kind of was like, Hey man, you, you could probably do something with, you know, with your skill. And I, and he's like, why don't you come out and see how I do things? And, uh, and I went out there for two weeks and I saw how he was running his business. And I was like, I think I could do this. You know? <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah. And, and, you know, and then at some point my wife was like, Hey, it looks like we might be all right if you just do it full time. And yeah. I was like, say less. <laughs> Let me yeah, quit my when, job, once, please. Once, when she gave me that green light, I was like, the next day I went to work and I was like, Hey, uh, peace out. I'm out. Nice. Nice. So yeah. But yeah, it's, it's cool. I mean, you know, again, there's, there's, uh, there's big differences with sport dogs and pet dogs, but it, it all, it all has to do with, I dog think they're training. kind it's of like opposite, you know, like I, I don't know. I started off very much in pet dog world and my business was kind of structured around like owners because I started off as a dog walker. So yeah. I was in people's houses every single day and you get super close to those people and you right. see everything that you do. So I was like, of course, all these dogs are crazy. Like this is what these people are doing, you know? So then when I started like educating them about like, Hey, when you come home and you go, ah! like 
you're just creating this like overly excited dog. So right. then when you walk out the door with your dog, your dog like loses their mind and they're like, oh my gosh, right? But then in the sport dog world, you're kind of doing the opposite of the things that you would do with like pet dogs. And that's one thing that like I really struggled with in the beginning when I got my Mal is like, I'm very good at like mellowing dogs mm -hmm. out and like chilling them out. And like everybody who works my Mal, they're like, she's so polite. That's she's good. so polite. And I'm like, yeah, but she's not like, she doesn't have that, like that craziness to her. Yeah. That craziness to her. Cause yeah. I like, that's tough for me. So when I, you know, did like obedience sessions in front of people, they're like, you're so boring. And I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely you have to, you know, bring a little bit more excitement when it comes to sport dogs, but you also have to teach them the skills of like you could you have to be you know high drive you need both but then you need to like settle yeah and i think that that was you know that's a big piece that a lot of sport dog trainers are missing yeah like they could have an amazing dog in the field and then you see the dog outside of the field and you're like holy crap yeah well so. and two sometimes their lives are just like so different than the average pet dog and that they're just kind of like in a crate a if they're not percent. being worked so that i think that's a that's a culture that's like a culture that I don't know. I see a lot of sport and I've, I've been there. I've yeah. done it. And I'm, it's something that I've, you know, tried to change like where I don't just take out my dogs just to work them and then put them back in the kennel or crate. I'm trying to like involve them. And I think it comes down to because we enjoy dog training so much that we'd rather get more dogs so we could keep training all of them yeah. instead of like enjoying the dog for what it is. So when I got my first course, so she went with me everywhere. I mean, I had her everywhere with me. And then I ended up getting more dogs. And then all of a sudden you don't have the time yeah. to give to all these dogs. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a culture thing when it comes to like sport dog culture. Yeah. That where they get a bunch of dogs and then they don't have the time for them. Yeah. And how many personal dogs do you have? Uh, we have three right now. OK, mm -hmm. that's like that's a good number. Yeah, I have my golden doodle. He's like, you know, our, <laughs> our family guy. And then I have my two Malinois. There you go. You don't yeah. have any Connie Corsos right now? Not right now. No. Okay. Are you going to get one soon? I'm probably going to wait a little bit. I, I, I lost my Corso uh, about a month ago. And so I'm just going to chill out for a little bit. Eventually yeah. I'll get one, you know, but I'm going to chill out for a little bit. Yeah. I, I feel that. So you kind of integrate your like mouths into the pet dog life. Uh, yeah. So like right now, especially now my older guy, he's going to be nine. So, you know, I, I take him with me wherever I go. And then, uh, my young one, I'm trying to do the same thing. Just try to get them out as much as I can. That's good. Like not a lot of people do that with their yeah, dogs, and, especially dog trainers. And then I struggle cause like my young dog, I feel like he doesn't have that like fire in him that I want to see. Yeah. But then I'm like, yeah, but you're also doing a lot more with him that you would probably not normally be doing, Yeah. you know, with, so, you know, it's like taking him out and stuff. Um, yeah, like I, I normally I would just get him out to work him like yeah. three or four times a day and the dogs become addicted to that and, you know, they become a little crazy and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm used to and I'm trying to change that a little bit. So as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that, you know, sport dog stuff is cool, but I just need to enjoy the dog just for who he is and that's it. Yeah, that was one thing. Um, I took my mouth to like bite work and I am the only one that can work her because she 
is not around men ever like growing up. And so, um, she's like scared of the decoys. So I have to like work her and then I like pass it off to, you know, the decoy and then he can work her a little bit and then she'll kind of be like, Oh God, where are you? And then I have to like come back and work her again. Um, but he was like, does she have a lot of outlets outside of this? And I was like, yeah, she <laughs> like does she's, everything. yeah, she's very much a pet dog. I take her everywhere. Like she goes hiking. She plays with my other dogs. And he's like, if you really want to do this, you have to stop doing that. Like her life has to be a little bit boring until we kind of build her up. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Because like at my house, there's like 20 dogs sometimes. And if I have like a big group of dogs that get along, like I'll let all the dogs out, you know, and she's like playing with other dogs all day. So when I take her to bite work and she's like, there's this big scary guy that's like trying to yell at me and like, (laughs) yeah. And I mean, I think, I mean, you got to also think about it. Like is sport going to be like your main thing? No, Uh, personally, I feel like not every, even if it's a Malinois, not every dog is meant to do, you know, a sport. I mean, that's just, that's just what it is. So I, I would say if you enjoy the sport and you fall in love with it, then I would get a dog for that. I'm not, sport. I'm not a and, sport girl. Yeah. And if you're not, then it's like, <laughs> I just, she's yeah. honestly like perfect for me because she's like just enough of a Malinois that I can like do things with her. Right. You know, but like just for funsies. Yeah. Like, does she enjoy like dog diving and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you mean you could, as long as you have fun with her and she's having a good time, I think that's what matters. I think that, Sometimes people force their dogs into bite work and it's like the dog is afraid of this dude. And you're like <laughs> putting them in front, you know? Yeah. So. But it's honestly like I know that she's never going to be like this killer or anything, but it's good for her. Like putting her in uncomfortable situations, you know, like I I need her to toughen up just like a little bit. OK. <laughs> you disagree? Um, I mean, I think pressure is always good to, in order to grow. I think a little bit of pressure is good. I mean, is she really going to? I mean, what do you, what's the end goal for that? It's really more so for me okay, to that, learn all of the things. Okay. You know? All right. Cause like I can't show up to club with a golden retriever and do right. bitey things. Right, right, right. I mean, if you enjoy it and everything, that's cool. But I think it becomes a problem when just the dog just hates being there and you know, if I mean, she, she's fine. Like <laughs> she's just a little weird when she's trying to yeah. do bite work. Yeah, I, I know what you're yeah. saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's she's fine. People have worked her before, and she like it's not like I'm like traumatizing her. Or anything. Yeah, okay. She's cool. just a big baby. Yeah, then it, it's all good. It's literally like a golden retriever. She's in just a like you get, she's like you can yell, but just don't yell too loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. Exactly. Yeah, and she gets some of her anxieties out that she might have and stuff. You know, letting it out on the grip. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah. She she enjoys it. She does. She's just a little uncomfy at first. Yeah, I know how it <laughs> I'm is. like, I get it. I get it. You know, like he's scary. He's got yep. like the face tattoos and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I get it. Oh, man. So you got your start in kind of the sport world and then transitioned over into pet dog training. And that's predominantly what your business is now. Correct? Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. You've had your business for seven years. Mm-hmm. What's one big takeaway that you've seen over the years that you wish more owners knew Um, like one main piece of advice of like, I wish more owners either, you know, like knew this before getting a dog or knew this when they were struggling with behavioral issues, that sort of thing. Hmm. Oh, you're talking about like the dog owners, not like the, yeah. Okay. Like a little PSA to dog owners out there as like an experienced dog trainer. Obviously I think that many people go, 
off of with how the dog looks and not what the dog was bred for. And you run into problems because people end up getting dogs that were bred to work and you want them to just be at home laying down next to you while you watch a movie. And then when you go to work for them just to be hanging out and that is not what they were designed to do. Yeah. And that's how we run into problems. So, I mean, I would say look into the breed, even when it comes to say you wanted to get a Labrador or a golden retriever. Are you going to get him from show lines? Or are you going to get him from working lines? Do the research so that you don't run into problems. Because even if you get training on a working line lab, you're still going to have to fulfill that dog's you know, life drive. with certain things and drive yeah. and everything. So definitely look into the breed before, uh, you know, you go and purchase it. But I know, I know nobody does that. Everybody calls us once, uh, you know, it's already And that's why we have jobs, yep. job security. Which, which I'm not mad. I mean, it, it's cool. It's part of it. But I mean, that's definitely one of the things. And then like the lit, like when you look at the litter, uh, when you go over there and you look at the puppies, like some people will be like, well, like I, I, cause I, I came from the Corso, from the Connie Corso breed. So they'll be like, he picked me. And I'm like, no, that dog was afraid for his life. He's hiding behind you. Cause he was afraid of everything. Yeah. And now we're dealing with this issue instead of you getting the one that was a little more confident. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So look at the puppies, but from the beginning, what, see what you're going to end up with. What should people look for when they're picking out a puppy? So I personally, me, I like a dog that doesn't have a ton of drive, especially if like pet dog, Okay. but is confident. Can just walk, can, you know, you could see that. Like I'll usually have my clients. I was like, get a bottle, put some rocks in it, go over there, drop it. See what dog goes and investigates it. See what dog runs away. Like, look at those little things, and I—that's how I base my my pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick. I them always up. tell people the key test. Like, drop a drop a set of keys, you yep. know, next to the puppy. See what they do. Flip them over. Start clapping. You know, do 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 stuff that you know might startle some of the puppies. Put put a bone there, and you know, put some put a toy there and see how they react towards it. If you see that there's a dog there that's bullying all the other puppies. Like, just know you're going to have to deal with certain things with that puppy compared to the one that doesn't care about it so much. Yeah. You know? And that's one thing that I'm learning, like, the longer that I do this for is I'm realizing how strong genetics really are in any dog, whether it's, like, a working dog or a pet dog. Like, they really do just have their personalities, you know? And owners are always like, well, I've trained six lines of German shepherds and I've never had issues before. And it's like, yeah, dogs are literally individuals just like how people are. A thousand percent, yeah. They they all have their their own twerks and you you have to deal with, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, The, you're mentioning like deciding whether you, or looking into whether you wanted, you know, a working line lab or a show line. And that's actually how I got into dog training is I got my golden and she's a working line golden. And I had no idea that that was even a thing. I was like, I'm just going to get this cute little red golden retriever, you know, and I had my first dog and she was a show line golden, just like a little cuppy cake, like always off leash, never had any issues with her. Yeah. I'm like, I'm the best dog trainer in the whole world. And then I got Lucy, my second one and i was like what the fuck is this (laughs) like cracked out all the time i thought there was like something wrong with her and then once i kind of like educated myself a little bit i was like oh i got a field line golden right you know that really like changed things for me because it put me in a different mindset of like this is like a genetic need instead of like these are behavioral issues right 
you know, and that's something that I've recently been talking a lot about is I don't think, and you might disagree with me, but I don't think we have as much control in behavioral modification as dog training will lead you to believe. Right. I, I do agree with that. I yeah. mean, oh, let's, let's not like, I think, I think a lot of behavioral mod is training for management, giving you, giving the owners the tool to be able to manage a dog's behavior. But I think at the end of the day, when a dog has like behavioral issues, it's usually just some sort of genetic need. And if you're not able to fulfill that genetic need, you need management to be able to like safely coexist with that dog or right. just exist with that dog in a way that like matches your lifestyle. Right. Is that, is that why you think like you hear trainers say like there's no bad dogs? Cause I feel like there are bad dogs. <laughs> I feel like there are dogs that were bred to fight other dogs. Oh yeah, there and, are. And it's like, no, it's not the dog. It's the, like the owner. Well, I don't like that. I, I personally disagree with it. I disagree with that too. And, and I, I think I hate that. The like, I don't know, somebody comes to you with like a super aggressive dog and then the owner like guilts them into like, well, it's your handling. It's like, it's not your handling. Like this, you a stable dog, you can grab a stable dog and it's not going to bite you. Right. No matter your handling skills. Right. And there's certain dogs that'll turn on you and they'll freaking, they'll bite you. And that's not a good dog. And so I do have a problem when people say no bad dogs, but I think they probably come from the um, the point of view of it's not a bad dog in the sense of if you just knew how to handle it the right way, it would be a good dog. And it's like, well, shoot, that's cool, but not everybody can do that. Not, you know, so I, I do feel for, for owners sometimes because they hear trainers say things like this and then they feel like crap like like oh, i'm not doing enough yeah, like, i'm like, not doing like it, I, yeah. it's on me and it's like no it's it's not on you that dog is actually not a very good dog like he's an asshole you know yes and so yeah yeah we had a little like i don't even want to say incident but one of my trainers and this was before she started working for me she had a german shepherd this german shepherd bit like three people and she lived with her parents mm -hmm. and so her parents were like I'm not going to live with this dog that keeps trying to bite me. You need to, you know, find it a home. You need to get rid of it. You need to like do something with this dog. It can't live here. It You can't like live in fear in your own house of, <laughs> of your kid's dog, like biting you. So she ended up, um, she was like on TikTok and posted like, Hey, I have to, you know, rehome my dog. A trainer ended up taking the dog and then was bashing my trainer about like, there's nothing wrong with this dog. This is your handling skills. Like just kind of like blaming her for everything. Whereas in my eyes, I think she did the responsible thing because she's not willing to like put people at risk over the life of this dog. Right. But when you speak to uh, less experienced trainers, I find that they put so much blame on owners who are struggling with these types of dogs. And I even used to be that way too, kind of the like save all the dogs mentality, mm -hmm. you know? Oh, and, that was you? Uh, eh, briefly. I got, I have like a behavioral dog that I took in because it was going to get put down. And one of my trainers was like, Meg, please, I'll help you train it, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I still have the dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, She's a high risk dog. Right. You know, and at first when I got the dog, I was like, oh, this is the owner's fault. Like, blah, 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 blah. It's not the owner's fault. Right. They didn't know what they were doing. Nobody knows what to do with like this type of dog. So she got a lot of bites. 
you know, she got a lot of experience biting people. And by the time that I got her, she was like, oh, I'm really good at this. Like when I don't want to do something like I'm going to fucking bite you. Right. And so for a while, I was kind of like blaming the owners of like, this is their fault. You know, like they were just going to, you know, give up on this dog and put this dog down. And then I became more experienced and I had this dog and I was like, it's not the owner's fault. Like genetically, this dog is not a safe dog. Right. And it's not fair to like put that blame on the owners, especially like me as a dog trainer, who's like pretty skilled in handling like different types of dogs. Like the average owner is not going to know what to do. And at the end of the day, if you have a genetically stable dog, that's never going to be an issue. Right. You know, I think the larger issue is like there's so many unstable dogs out there. And this kind of like save all the dogs mentality is like putting these dogs in people's homes that they like. Yeah, it could, it's definitely a problem. Yeah, it's definitely a problem. And I mean, it could be one bad experience with the dog and he reacted or she reacted a certain way. And that could literally be it and then from there on you have like an issue i had a a client not long ago maybe three weeks ago well she she met up with one of my trainers and she was like i just want to um like so she went to like four different trainers and she came and she wants to be able to hand the leash off to somebody and the dog not react you know and i'm like all right well let me see what you how you interact with the dog she literally had the dog laying next to us it was three of us the dog didn't care about us didn't And I'm like, so what's what's the issue? She's like, well, that when I hand him over to somebody, he reacts. So I'm like, all right. So I play with them a little bit. I eventually grab the leash. I don't correct him. I don't do anything. And the dog doesn't react. Right. And I'm like, so what triggers it? She's like, well, usually if they try to like correct him, I'm like, are they correcting him on a prong? Yes. So that could literally be a a cue for the dog to react a certain way. I'm like, so I'm not going to do that. She's like, but <laughs> she's like, but I want you to see. I'm like, well, I don't want to see. I was like, so let's I'm, not practice this I, behavior I like, yeah, anymore. I was like, Why am I going to, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I was like, what, what is the main reason that you want to hand the dog over to other people? She was like, well, like when, if I want to board him, I was like, easy. I was like, you put him in the crate. I'll take him out when you're not around, you know, and we'll be good. I'm not going to be dealing with this issue with this dog. I know that I could see the dog doesn't have an aggression issue. It just has certain triggers that if we know how to, you know, manage him, I think he'd be fine. But many trainers, what they do is they want to show the owner like, nah, I could do this right now. I could fix this for you right now. And then they just create a bigger hole. It's like, why are we going to do that? Why don't we have a build a relationship with the dog where then if I do correct the dog, he understands that there's a relationship there instead of me in the first session grabbing his leash and giving him a correction for whatever reason. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense to me. And, and after I was like, yeah, like I'm not going to mess with it. Keep messing with his dogs. Like, first of all, I build aggression on a prong collar with dogs for protection. Yeah. I was like, we use a slip lead or something on this dog. We're not going to use a prong collar. And you can leave him with us. I was like, I, I feel very confident with this, with us being able to handle this dog, you know? And so I do feel like sometimes we make problems a little bit worse than, uh, than what they are. Oh, I by, completely agree. Yeah. yeah. By, and, and train, I don't know what it is about trainers, uh, you know, that we, I mean, we, I guess, I don't know, there's maybe, maybe a little bit of ego there that we want to show so bad that we sometimes make things a little bit worse. Yeah. And so anyways, I don't know what we were. Well, I think it just kind of goes back to the mentality of like you have so much more or we think we have so much more control in like a dog's behavior than we really do. So like 
experienced trainers, you know, you've been doing this for seven years, you've worked, I'm sure thousands of dogs, like, you know, that like pushing that dog in that moment is, it's not going to be worth it. Right. You know? And I have that conversation with owners all the time. Like they'll, they'll be like, Oh, but my dog still, you know, does this. And I'm like, do you remember what your dog was like before? It's okay. You know, like I have a client who had, um, like German shepherd, Dutch shepherd mix, super, super reactive, just like exploding at the leash. Anytime it saw a dog, it came to us for like a four week board and train. By the end of it, we could like walk past dogs, but she was like, reached back out to me. And she was like, you know, he, he kind of like growls a little bit sometimes. And I'm like, let him growl. Yeah, good. <laughs> like, like, I'll take that. I'll take yeah, that. I'm like, what's wrong with that? Like, let's like, do you remember you couldn't walk down the street before? Right. Like, let him growl, you know, like, don't correct him for that. And like, maybe it's just too, because of like the internet, there's this like perfectionism that comes from like training dogs. So now I'm getting a lot of owners who are almost doing too much. I'm like, where did you get all of this information right. from? Like, what are, what are you doing? Cause like, I don't even do that with my dogs. Like really what I want, I want confident, stable dogs. Right. I don't care that you're perfectly obedient. I don't care that like you have your little quirks. Maybe you bark every now and then. Like, I don't care about those things. Like, are you confident? Are you stable? And can you make good decisions? Yep. You know, like that's what I want from my dogs. Um, but one thing that I'm seeing a lot of with the clients that are coming to us is, Everybody gets really hung up on like what their dog can do. Like behaviors. Yes. Yeah. Like tricks. Mm-hmm. It, it's yep. tricks. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, they want this like 20 yard downstay and just like all of these just crazy things. And I'm like, I guess like, why, uh, I, why, why do you want that? You know, yeah. like what's, what's the end goal of all of these kind of like trick training with yeah. your dog? So I do have a bit of a, a thing with this. Because, you know, now that I have, you know, a fair amount of, I have, you know, at least 10 trainers. And when I, when I see the dog, I go, okay, like you're in a training session. There's certain cues that you give the dog where he understands he's in a training session, but you're not going to be able to move this the way this looks right now to this owner, because that's not how they operate. Yes. How do they operate? Yes. How do how do they manage dog? How, how are they going to be dealing with this dog? Right. So I'm like, what good is it if my dog, if I call him to heal, he comes to heal. If I tell him to down, he does a fast down. He does all this stuff. If I can't even walk him past another dog, because that is the stem, like the problem. Because like mentally, mentally, he's, he's not, not there. there. So yeah. he's not going to be able to do all this cool stuff that you taught over here if he can't even get past that. And so to me, I'm like, forget the, the session. I'm like, how, like set up your playtime with when he's with other dogs into do you do three recalls and he gets paid where he make you make him a believer that he is going to get paid every time he comes yeah but not in a session where you put him on a down you, know, you go five away. minute training session yeah boom 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 we and do all the like things and then you go that's back away. not gonna work like that's no. it, it's not gonna translate it, it might get a little better than what the dog was before but it's definitely not gonna translate into what how the owner's going to be dealing with the dog because first of all they don't have the cute the body movements that you have as a trainer already they don't have that so we have to figure out and i tell them all the time like how do they interact with the dog a 70 year old lady is going to be completely (laughs) different than a 25 year old girl and how they interact with their dogs if they're into the training then we could go a different route with 
the 25 year old, but a 70 year old is not going to be able to do certain things that the 25 year old can do, how they run or do certain. Th- so to me, it's just like, we really have to look at the big picture of the owner. That's yes. the main thing right there. Yes, for sure. And I get a lot of dogs that have been to training programs that are like that. And the dogs know all the things they're very good at being told what to do, but like, how do they function when they're not in command? That's a big thing. So, um, a few of my trainers have, you know, worked at other facilities. They've worked with other trainers before. And when they come to me, they're all like this. They're like, what are we doing? And I'm like, you need to do nothing. Like we, we have to teach these dogs how to do nothing because right. like they've never been taught this. And the dogs are the same way. They're like, what are we doing? They're just mm-hmm. like waiting for their command. And my trainers are the same way. So I have to like mold them into like, Honestly, sometimes doing less is more, especially with the dogs that we're getting because owners are really good at teaching all the things. They're teaching like the skills. They're like, my dog knows sit and down and stay and blah, blah, blah. But like, is your dog stable enough to just like hang out and lay with you at a restaurant? Right. No, they're not because you're constantly like feeding them like, yes, yes, yes. Like what happens when you're not doing that? Over adrenalizing the dogs. Yes. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of dogs that are like that of like, it's so silly just like regular show line goldens that have turned into these like drivey working dogs. And I tell my clients, I'm like, you raised a really good working dog, yeah. but like not a very good pet dog. Right. No. And I mean, it's, it's cool. I like that people are getting into it, but I think that, you know, they're missing, they're missing a picture that they don't see like, you know, cause there's a lot of videos now of dog trainers on right. TikTok and all that. And literally you can watch one video and from there you're going to get 30 other videos because the algorithm is just going to hit you with them. Yeah. It looks cool on video. Yeah, but it's like two minutes, but you also have to teach the dog the off switch. A thousand percent. Which is not Which is the most important. It's not fun to watch on the internet. The best training that I've, that I've seen is literally the most boring training. But for me, it was like, that was it. Like literally, how do you even deliver a piece of food? Because some people will be like, yeah, I'm going to pay the dog for being calm, but you're going to pay him with a yes. And you're going to just like, it's like, no, even the way you say that. You're already, you know, oh my putting, gosh, yes. putting the dog in a wrong state of mind. So even if you said yes, how are you going to de- deliver the piece of food? You know, what kind of food are you going to deliver? Like, yeah. is it going to? So people need to look at the big picture, not just at what they think. Oh, I'm just going to be rewarding the dog for that. Yeah, but you're rewarding, and the dog is probably popping out of the place, running towards you, and all of a sudden, instead of having a calm, relaxed dog you're gonna have a dog that's like always looking at you like a freaking crack addict you know yeah so anyways yeah yeah that's one thing that i am really trying to like emphasize with my trainers is they it's so silly like they all train the same way like before they started working with me and i'm like where where are you all learning all of this like the yes yes yeah yes and i'm like this is not like this does not transfer to owners and i feel like my like background has been so owner focused because I started off as like a dog walker and like being in people's homes. So like, I know what owners keep up with, right? you know, and they're not going to be like, yes, like your dog is literally not gonna work. never going to hear that sound uh, outside of this training session with you. So don't make it. And I tell my trainers like, stop talking. Yeah. Just stop talking. Like you literally don't have to talk to the dog. And I don't a lot of time, like I'm very quiet when I'm training dogs and the dogs that I get are very, uh, like reactive neurotic, you know? So I do want to meet them with like that 
calm energy that's going to kind of like slow them down. You know, I'm not building up these like super drivey dogs. So it's a little bit different. Um, But yeah, even with my trainers, I'm like, why are we all doing the exact same stuff? And I think it's mostly just coming from like social media. A thousand percent. Because that's what does well on social media is these like really drivey, obedient dogs. And you're like, wow, that's cool. But you're not seeing the other half of that equation, which is hopefully the trainers are teaching, you know, the dogs to chill and have that off switch. For not just like themselves, but the dog as well. Right. Because I've met some neurotic dogs that don't have an off switch. And it's honestly like sad to see that they have to exist it like really, that. I mean, it, it really, I mean, people don't realize how bad it is. Like my dog, Wapo, my older dog, if he's alone in the yard, he's like chilled out. Yeah. And as soon as I walk out, he'll like grab his freaking jolly ball and like, just like smash <laughs> it and like bring it to me and like want to play. And I'm just like, bro, I just want to hang out with you. And yeah. now the only time where he's like relaxes on our drives in our drives, he's cool because he has never experienced any play there. Yeah. You know, he has never experienced any, you know, any high drive in, in the vehicle. So there he'll relax. But other than that, like if I'm in the yard and he sees me, he's like, what are it's we going to do? Time. What, what are, are we, we going to do? What are we going to do? And yeah, it's not a way to live, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, he's super, he gets agitated. Like if I have his ball and I just put it out there and I put him on a down, He'll get agitated just looking at it. He'll start breathing heavy and doing all that. And, you know, now with my my other dogs that I've had, I'm like, no, I'm going to teach them that off switch. Like we're going to play and then I'm going to put you on a down and you're going to relax for 15 minutes until you're calm. And then maybe I'll take you on a walk, maybe play with you again a little bit. But I want you to be to learn the skill of doing nothing. Yeah. You know, that's a skill that every dog must learn. Yeah. I'm also... um I'm kind of like one of the hated dog trainers on TikTok because I talk about like correcting dogs. Right. Um, but the reason that I do talk about correcting dog is dogs is because I feel like that's another part of the equation that a lot of owners are missing out on is mm-hmm. being able to tell their dogs no in a meaningful way. So, you know, let's say I have a reactive dog and I ask the owner, what are you doing when your dog is being reactive? Like, what do you say? What do you do? Do you move? Do you ask them to sit? Like, what do you do? Well, we tell them no. Okay. Well, how does your dog know what that word means? Right. Yep. I don't know. Yep. So how do you kind of communicate that part to your owners? You know, because I think on social media, it's a lot about like what we can teach our dogs and, right. you know, getting them working for food or toys or whatever. But a large part of dog training is being able to tell your dogs no and, you know, communicate like, I want you to do this, but I also don't want you to do this. Right. So I, I do. So I'll, I'll go back to one of my trainers. Recently, I was in Mexico and I received a bad review and I was like, all right. Now, when I get them, I'm like, this is an opportunity to fix something. Yeah. Whatever we did wrong, we're going to do it, make it right. Yeah. So I, you know, when I get back, I, I contact the owner and I go, Hey, uh, can I go check out the dog? I was like, you could leave your review there. I don't care. I'm not telling you, you know, yeah. I just want to make sure that I do my part into trying to fix this. So she goes, yeah, for sure. Come, come out. She's like, I, I, you know, I'm really glad to hear from you. So yeah, come out. I go over there and I check out the dog. <clears throat> the dog is just like all over the place. And the first thing I do is I go, no. And I reach down and I correct the dog a little bit. Uh huh. And after that, the dog did everything like the, the trainer actually did a very good job at training the dog. He did not do a good job at translating 
you know, translated over to the owner. Yeah. Now, when I told her, I said, all right. So then we were working. I'm like, uh, correct the dog. And I could tell that her correction and her no marker didn't mean anything to the dog. So I said, okay, cool. I need to figure this out. I was like, and then I forgot what we were doing that I noticed that she kind of walked into the dog a little bit and he took that as pressure. He, she didn't even touch him, but she walked towards him a little bit and he was like, oh shoot. I was like, that is your correction. Forget the leash pop, forget everything. That is your correction. Did you see that? She was like, no. I was like, I was like, what you did, you, you, you know, gave him a little bit of spatial pressure. And he, after that, he was, he was good. I was like, so let's, let's do that. So I was like, we're going to work on a couple behaviors and that's how you're going to correct the dog because the leash didn't, he didn't, he took it as like, it was fun. Yeah. Not when I did it, but when she did it. Yeah. So, so as trainers, we, or as owners, even you got to figure out what type of correction is going to work for you. Now, we're, when we say correction or, you know, people always think that, or punishment, people see it as, oh, they're going to hurt the dog. No, yeah. literally it could be you sprain the dog or you, you literally know, just taking a step into yeah, the dog. Take, taking a step into the dog, not moving forward. You know, uh, that is a correction for the dog and the dogs like us, we need to understand, they need to understand, you know, what we like and what we don't like. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if you could communicate with your dog, Hey, I don't like you doing that, but Hey, I like you doing that. It's just going to make life so much easier for your dog instead of us trying to teach. Oh, I don't want my dog to do that. So I'm going to teach these, these other behaviors these over here. Yeah. Behaviors. And it's like, why? When it could just be so easy to let your dog know, like that is not cool. And if you have a word for it that you have now paired with that, now you can use that to your advantage. You know, um, I personally feel it's one of the most important things. And so when I when I drop off. So one of the problems that the trainer did when he dropped off this dog was he had her still using a lot of food mm-hmm. instead of him just being a good and a no. That's all I want. Yeah. When the dog does good. You could say good or you could say nothing or, but if the dog is doing bad, I want you to say no and mark it and let the dog know it's not supposed to be doing that. Right. So yeah, I think to me, it's the most important thing. I kind of use food as just like teaching behaviors mm-hmm. because I have found that um, I don't know. Owners get really concerned about correcting their dogs uh, incorrectly or like, you know, dialing too high on the e-collar or things like that. I find that people don't really mess that up. What people mess up is rewards. And if you have a dog who's just constantly looking to your hands, like I think that that is so much worse than just like not using food. Right. So as like trainers in our program, we use food and we build up like food drive to, for us to do the training, for us to do those active training, teach the skills, maybe work the dog through, you know, reactivity. But as far as like owners go, I'm not really having owners do too much food stuff unless it's like a puppy, Mm -hmm. you know, puppy owners are really the only ones that I'm like, this is our marker word. Good. We say the word and then we reach into our treat pouch and then we deliver. But I feel like when you, <laughs> you're giving me the look. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'll let you finish. But I feel like when you put too much training on the owners, it's just, it's just like way too much. You know, we've got like food and marker words and blah, 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 blah. Like it's just, it's overwhelming to them. And at the end of the day, like the best training is the training that's sustainable for the owners. Yep. Yeah. I was that guy. I mean, especially because when we were, when I was starting, 
uh, Michael Ellis videos were like coming yeah. out. Right. Yeah. So I came in, I came up in that, in that era and, you know, and I was big time into like, you got to make them give the marker the right way. You did. And I would talk about other trainers that weren't doing it the right way. How and this dare and they that. not? Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you know what? And, and now that, you know, I just feel like people have been training without even realizing it with markers and everything for well, you're marking. You just might not know like yeah, what uh, the marker that you're using but is. But dogs are a lot smarter than we think where they oh, figure yeah. things out. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. uh, the whole marker system thing, I, I love it. I, you know, for me, I use it. But definitely like you're, I, when it comes to pet owners, like pre-mac everything. Like if you don't want your dog to run out the door, we put a leash on them. We hold him back. We open the door. He can't come out until you touch him on his side and he can go out yeah. and you, you stay consistent with that. Or when you come in, you tether him, you know, to something and you just hang out. You don't say anything. The dog is going to fall into these, you know, patterns right. right away. If you have this structure, he's going to take over that structure and you're not going to have any problems. I personally don't think the whole food thing and marker thing is very necessary for a pet dog. I haven't used much with my golden doodle and I think he's pretty good, uh, you know, but, and we over adrenalize dogs, like you said, Yeah. when we are using a lot of food and I think it's more for us. It makes us feel good. Don't you think it's very trendy right now? Like, don't you see that? Like everybody's kind of training dogs the same way and they're like really hung up on like marker words and stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we got things like TikTok, like I said, and, you know, and Instagram and everything that, you know, it looks cool. It looks fun. They're having a good time, which I welcome. Pet dog training is not fun. No, it's laying so down, boring. Yeah, laying down. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I definitely see why people like it. The dogs look like they're having a good time. The owner's having a good time. I welcome it. I think that people that are into that, you know, they have, they have a good relationship with the dog, but I definitely feel that they're missing a piece, which is that boring piece, because nobody's going to watch a TikTok live where you're just, the dog is just laying there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're going to watch yeah. it where you're, teaching all these all these different things so that's just where we're at right now which i don't know i welcome it i i I, i'm good if more clients for us so exactly it's all good job job security i had a one of my friends clayton he was recently on the podcast some girl posted i'm not on facebook because i can't handle the like uh, dog trainer facebook community it's just too much for me but um some girl posted like dog trainers who don't use marker words like red flag greg flag and he like commented and was like this is dumb like <laughs> this is just like obviously you know you're not very experienced right like we're marking behaviors all the time whether you're using yep. you know the marker word good and yes like it's just what is the cue to the dog? Is it you like smiling at the dog? Is it you, yep. you know, petting the dog? Like owners are really good at marking and rewarding. Right. They don't need a marker word. And, you know, as you become more experienced in the dog training industry, you realize that and it just kind of becomes more like owner focused. Right. I think that definitely, I don't know what it is about dog, dog training and dog trainers that, you know, makes people feel a certain way. Like, I'm probably going to get some, some crap for this, but like one of my favorite people, well, you know, especially when I was started with Cesar Milan, I know people don't like, I him. love Cesar Milan. Let me ask you this. How many trainers today? None of us would have jobs if it weren't for not Caesar just Milan. that, but how many trainers <laughs> today can be, can walk 65 dogs off leash in downtown LA off leash 
downtown LA and the dogs just follow him. I, I don't know. I can't name any. No. I don't know who's doing that. No. I don't think anybody's doing that. No. And so people always talk crap about him, right? Because of some TV show. But it's like, you don't see, like, do you not see how this guy is like interacting with these dogs? Like, so I don't know. I just, but he's not the cool, like he's not, the, he's not the cool thing to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's, he doesn't use markers. He doesn't do, it's like, nah, I don't. You don't need to. I don't to. care about yeah, that. Like, look at the dogs. Look yeah, at, look how he know. interacts with, like, again, to me, that's what I base it off. Like, I, I could barely even do two dogs. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> this guy had 65 dogs loose, like, off leash in the downtown L.A. And so I always get crap from people like, oh, but he has an e-collar on. Oh, but da, da, da. it's like, yeah, but you're working out, like, in the woods somewhere with no distractions at all. And I'm just like you know, it, it's different, you know, different worlds we live in or whatever. But for me, when it comes to like, you know, trainers that, you know, Cesar Milan, I think he's one of the top trainers. And if for sure, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Oh, yeah. So that's just, yeah. Anyways, thought to throw that in there. No, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And, and he doesn't use markers. He doesn't use marker markers. He's not. I mean, does he use a lot of food in training? I don't think so. I think like a little bit. I would but probably not really. say he he does it here and there, but I I mean I don't know his exact methodology or whatever yeah. or system outside of what what I've seen, but uh, I don't think he. Do you he, know Do you know who Oregon Tails is? No. Okay, I really like them, and they're kind of in the same camp. There's they have like a big property, and basically they do like day training. They have kind of the same situation of like, you know, 65 dogs, all of them lined up like walking at heel with them. They don't use food. They don't use e-collars. They don't use prong collars. They literally just use like a slip lead type of leash mm -hmm. with like the figure oh, eight yeah, loop yeah. around the nose. They essentially train the dogs like how people train horses. You know, they're not using marker words. They're not like using food and all of this stuff. And when I first started training, I wasn't real big on food because I, w I was taking on like some pretty severe behavioral mod dogs mm -hmm. that I probably shouldn't have been taking on, but I was able to work with them because I wasn't shoving food in their face or, you know, yes. And like yeah. bringing all of this energy. So it like worked out well for me. And I find that, you know, Caesar, Caesar Milan is kind of in the same camp and like Oregon tails, like you look at these dogs and you can't tell me that these people don't know what they're doing. Right. You know, but like you could argue, well, they're not using like, positive reinforcement they're not using food they're not using affection or toys or play or any of these things they're not talking about like drive states and all of this stuff but like look at the dogs you know yep i mean when it comes to everything now that's what i base it off of look at the dogs look at the reviews whatever they're doing is working over there i don't you know what i'm saying yeah because there's like a million <clears throat> there's a million, million ways, ways to train dogs and again i you know yeah that's not my style of training but i definitely am not against you know, being there and learning what they're doing just so I could keep getting better, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So we are in your new facility. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Thank you. So uh, my wife and I, we were running elevated out of our home. Right. And yeah, I can't that relate. Just, that just became a little too much for us. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, especially when I was at work and I had one employee and, you know, dogs would be barking at four in the morning while I was on my drive and you know it just got bad and it was always something that we wanted like you know we want to have a, a spot but I didn't want a spot where we have to hold a bunch of dogs so this isn't going to be like a 
boarding place or anything like right. that. But this is just a place where I, I could create a culture of people that want to work their dogs. So I'll be doing private classes here and, you know, probably some group classes outside and, you know, we'll be hanging out. And then, you know, my wife, my wife and I started a underdog, which is our, you know, our brand of dog toys and vests and aprons. And yeah, so we'll be running that out of here. So I I'm love excited. That. You're building a brand. We're trying. That's super cool. And that is like another thing that's just a full-time job. I'm learning because I'm also, yeah, you know, working on that. Yeah. So if but, you know how, ooh. and then, you know, replying to emails and doing all that, like my, yeah, she puts in a lot of work for sure when it comes to the underdog stuff. So are you both like full-time? Yeah. Here? I mean, she's a full-time mom and, uh, and then she runs underdog. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, it's definitely. And then I just kind of. I train dogs. I hang out. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I train dogs. I manage, I put out fires here and there and that's about it, you know? Yeah. So what's kind of your like goal with this space? You know what? Um, I wish I had a, a clear, exact view of what I wanted. Yeah. Only thing I could say is that I want to outgrow it. Uh, and that's, that's where I'm at right now. I guess we'll figure out as I we go. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I'm extremely jealous. I love this space. I'm going to have to go find one in Orlando that's similar to this, but this is super cool. He has like a loft upstairs and then plenty of space to work dogs. This is honestly like it's a per, it's, it's, it's a not huge. Setup. Yeah, it's not huge, but you know, it's I think it's I don't think work. I would want anything that big. Yeah. So, and I, I couldn't I, Yeah, I didn't want to spend too much either, so this this worked out great. <laughs> No, it's perfect. So you've had your business for seven years. You just got the space. You've been running things out of your house up until then, or did you have a space before this? So our, we have a field. We have a okay. training field in Carson, uh, okay. That's which is a little f further out than I, I wish it was. So I have to travel there, you know, drive in LA. How far twice is that? A week. It's, about an, it's, like, it's about an hour away, but okay. without traffic, I mean, without traffic, it's about an hour away. So you know how that, how that goes. But, um, so we have that field there and all of our trainers go there with our, with their clients and they do their private lessons there and all that. And you're then, spoiled to be in California because it's like hot as butt in Florida and I can't. I know everybody's outside. like, Oh, when are you going to move out of California? And I'm like, you know what? I kind of like it. So, I mean, we'll see uh, maybe at some point, but I kind of like California. I like it too. I'm ready to move out here. Somebody's going to have to drag me back to Florida. And there's dogs for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy over here. Yeah. Will knows. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, there might be an everyday trader over here. <laughs> yep. yep. All right, Oscar. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you in for your having space. Me. This is so sick. And thanks so much for sitting down and talking with me all about dog training. You got a lot of good things going on and Honestly, I can't wait to see. Appreciate it. See what the future looks like for you. Is Thank there you. anything, anything you want to add? Um, no. I mean, if you guys you get a chance, make sure you guys check out. We have a podcast as well, Elevated Canine Podcast. Yeah, check plug that out. plug all your things. Where yeah, can people and then, find you? Yeah, my uh, Instagram at Oscar Mora Canines, uh, YouTube at Oscar Mora Canines. Oh, you're on YouTube. I mean, it's not big. We're just trying to. Do I need to do YouTube. Yeah, we're not that big yet. But anyways, and then at Elevated Canine Academy is our, our business and uh, Underdog, U-N-D-R-D-O-G on Instagram as well. And yeah, that's about it. Thank Perfect. you for having me. Go follow him, check him out, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>